I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show. Manchester City are in another cup final, and joining me to reflect upon that and much more, I've got, I think, maybe the two of the biggest voices on City Twitter, Mr. Howard Hawking and Mr. Stephen Tudor. Morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you, sir? Um, yeah, all right. Been a been a trying few weeks, but uh, I'm still standing, as somebody once said. So <laughs> all is good, all is well. Good. What about you? I'm all good too. Yeah, I've got that Friday feeling. And I say City in another cup final, which is quite nice. It's beautiful. Hmm. Mr. Hawking, do you have a stat that tells me how many cup finals that is in the last 10 years? No, I was I supposed to? No. Yeah, just I just thought maybe you'd. I just thought maybe you'd pull that one. You know, you will have no. pulled that one with a bit of pride. five, six, six. Oh yeah, forget Wigan. Seventeen semi-final matches, I think. Uh, yeah, we've never retained a trophy, so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We can retain the Carabao Cup. You know, I feel bad for calling it the Shandybang Cup for so many years when (laughs) it's obviously so important to to us in our history now. Um, Okay, I've got an opening question away from... Well, actually, it's not away from this week. It is kind of related to this week. So City's transfer policy is under the microscope again with news that Frankie de Jong has signed for Barcelona. Sam Lee did a really good article on goal. And there was a line in it that jumped out for me that I wanted the three of us to discuss. And the line was this. If City expect loyalty from their transfer targets, could they show not a bit back when it comes to the crunch? I guess what Sam is implying there is that City feel that once they've agreed a deal with the player, that the player should only want City. Or that, you know, if another club comes in with a bigger offer, that player should stay loyal to City somehow. Um, is that naive? And is there something in the point Sam is making there that when it comes to the crunch, you're a footballer, maybe you'll view it differently? Um, Steve, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, ah, the, the question of whether it's naive is a really tough one to, to answer because I can answer personally and say yes, but then that would not be acknowledging the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is, I think we as City fans have got to stop thinking in terms of money. It's just simply not a question of money. Um, It's about honour, and it's about the way that our owners do things. So they place a great deal of emphasis, by which I mean 100% of their thinking is based around this emphasis on honour. On basically, if a player has agreed something with a club, then they're expected to honour that. Um, if a player then kind of, or certainly his agent, then kind of throws, you know, kind of a spanner in the works and says, oh, well, hang on a minute, this other club now wants us, they're offering this, City move away. We just simply walk away. Now, that's to our own detriment. You, you could certainly argue it's cutting your nose off to spite your face, but that's how it is. I mean, that is basically, you know, they, they, they put so much culturally, they put so much emphasis on that. Now, so a non-City fan might be listening into this and laughing their heads off and saying, well, hang on a minute. What about, why is this such a, a kind of set of principles put in place recently when that wasn't the case during the takeover? I would argue that's still, that, that was still the case. We, they were players 
back in, you know, 2011 or 2009, who kind of messed it around and City walked away. Okay, you know, with, with that kind of accelerated spending that City had to have, we did go into it a little bit more, in a more rash fashion than we do now. Um, but that was just the nature of the beast. That was necessary. Um, it's still, you know, those principles were still in place back then of honour and basically, as Sam referred to it, as loyalty. Mm. And that okay. is how it is. There's no getting around it. We can kind of discuss it, of course, and we can say, oh, you know, I wish that wasn't the case because we might have Frankie de Jong now. Um, but at some point, he or his agent messed City around and City said, right, we're not going to be kind of shanghai like this. We're not going to be paying 330000 a week for you. We're moving away. If a player wants to join us we and we want them, we will go all out for him. If that's not the case, we're not interested. Mm. It, it might work to City's benefit in the future, but I, I, I personally, I don't think so. I, think- I would argue it's probably worked to City's benefit in the past already, but the high-profile examples are when it does fall flat on its yeah. face. Sorry, Howard, go on. No, I think I was just literally going to post, uh, reiterate what you said on Twitter. I think depends how much we want the player. Uh, now, obviously, Frankie de Jong is being, you know, for some, he's like a generational talent. I'm not sure that's the case yet. I think people are getting ahead of themselves. How much did we want him? Every single one, you know, every single player we've been linked with or shown interest in, there's obviously, oh, unique, there's different stories. If you read Sam's article, you'll you'll see the differences in every single approach. It's like, Jorginho, they simply refused to sell to us in the end because... You know, because they could get more out of Chelsea. And Alves, I don't think, I had no problem with allowing someone who said the signing to go on holiday. You know, you, that's about honour. And it's about, well, he said he's coming. Yeah. And if it falls through, then yeah, we don't really want him. And City have been pretty some bullets, really, with a player. And if you go back a long time, for, you know, John Terry didn't really want, didn't want Wayne Rooney and Kaka and all these players that fell through. And, you know, you look at Jorginho, who's struggling a bit now, Fred. And obviously Sanchez, who may have been superb for us, even if he hasn't been for United. But you know, I do know a couple of City fans said at the time, "Don't get Sanchez. He's just he's hit his peak now. He's on a downward trough. I can see it in his football." And like, don't be silly. Uh, you just cover him because you know we might not get him now, and we've been quite lucky. But as you said on Twitter, Asan, it's about how much do we want them? If it's someone De Bruyne level, if it's someone Mbappe, then I don't think we're you know, we'd literally pay whatever it takes. Yeah. And I think if we walk away, it's like, look, we can look elsewhere. There yeah. are many, many, many superb players out there. It can, As a fan, it can be frustrating because where do you draw the line? If City won't pay an extra 3 million agents fees, it's like, well, what's, what difference does 3 million make? It's like a live Sky game or two. You know, it doesn't matter in the scheme of things. I think it but does where, matter. where do you draw the line? Is it 5 million, 7 million? Do you want an extra 10 million suddenly? And it's just, as, yeah, I think Steve's alluded to, we're just, when we were taken over, we'd literally pay anything to get players because we knew they would be a stepping stone for the image of the club to get to then get proper top-class players. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, we spent years trying to get rid of these players on excessive wages. But now we've got, you know, this is their approach and it's something we have to appreciate. We don't have limitless money. So every three million pounds here and there does make a difference. I agree. Uh, so what can you do? I, I, with De Jong, I don't think there's anything we could have done. 
think he wanted to go to Barcelona. So if they're literally prepared to put all the money Ajax want, I don't think there's any issue here. There's nothing we could have done. Don't, let's not. Uh, let's not. You know, this is not football manager. We can't just throw money and say, right, they want to come to City. When we can understand why someone would rather go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. What we've got is obviously Pep Guardiola, which is a huge, huge draw. But you know, sometimes Real Madrid and Barcelona will beat us to players, and there's nothing we can do about that. I completely agree. I think the one thing I would say is that um, I, I think as supporters, sometimes we what we do is we you kind of get whether you like it or not. What you want is you want the best player on the market in any position. Yeah. So you want a forward, Mbappe's available. So you put all your eggs in the Mbappe basket. I think it's slightly different at the club behind the scenes. I think that their approach and their point of view is probably, and I'm guessing, so I could be completely wrong, but I imagine it's probably a bit more like this. They've probably got three names, yeah? And fine. So for example, let's say that uh, Frankie de Jong is the outstanding uh, guy on your list. You've got three or four names on that list. Frankie de Jong's the outstanding guy. He's coming in at 75, 80 million pound. The number two guy is also coming in at about 75, 80 million pound. But the number three guy is probably priced at between 40 and 50 million. And he's probably Decore from Watford or Idris Gay from Everton. Now, we'll all go, yeah, but pff, that, that's not Endombele and that's not Frankie de Jong, but probably... The scouts and Pep and the stats guy are looking at the numbers of those players and they're going, yeah, but they're doing it here and in this league right now. And okay, Frankie de Jong might be for the next 10 years, but he might not be for the next 10 years because in three or four years, he might decide that he wanted to move somewhere else and then you'll have to sell him. Um, Are you really going to put that sort of... I guess what I'm trying to say is that I wonder whether there's a level of overpaying that isn't that where the perspective isn't just what the selling club are demanding but also the context of other players in that position within the marketplace and whether actually the difference between 50 and 75 or 80 is worth spending the 25 30 million now it might be in the end that you decide you have to spend that extra 25 30 million because you want a player of that quality but i do understand why they can get, why they would get a little bit nerved. Like Guardiola said in a press conference, we're not paying £100 million for a holding midfield player. That tells me everything that I need to know. Guardiola looks at the squad and he goes, no matter how important a holding midfield player is to me, he's not of the same importance as a centre-forward. I'll go and pay £100 million for a for a centre-forward because he'll score me 40 goals and he'll win the Champions League for me. I won't pay £100 million for a, a holding midfielder who... With the best will in the world, like against 75% of the teams that we play, you play Gundo in there. It's all right. Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. when we worry about Fernandinho being out, we worry about Fernandinho being out in the big, big, big games yeah. or when there is a fixture pileup. We don't worry about Fernandinho being out if we've got to go and play, you know, with the best will in the world. Cardiff, home or away. In fact, I would argue the bottom 10 in the Premier League. You don't need Fernandinho for that. 
So this is where I think that it becomes a, a kind of financial, but where it's not just about what they're asking. It's about what people lower down the list can offer and whether it's worth adding the value that you're adding. Because again, with with De Jong, it's not just that you pay 75, 80 million euro for him. Well, then you match the wage that Barcelona are offering, which is being reported at potentially up to 250,000 euros per week with bonuses. With respect, Leroy Sane doesn't earn that. Not sure that Raz is at that level. Even if he is, Raz has been doing it for three years or four years. Laporte and Stones definitely aren't going to be on that kind of money. So it's a... You see what I'm saying? It's complicated. It's not... I know that you... I'm the same. Like, I'm like, I want that hole in the squad filled. But more and more, I feel I don't want that hole in the squad filled at any cost. Because I think at any cost, generally, is a much bigger risk than is worth it. Now, people will argue there will have been no risk in Mbappe. Fine, fair enough, but... I don't think that the players that we're talking about now, whether it's Frankie de Jong or it's Ndombele, I don't think they don't represent risk because I don't think that they are of even the Kevin De Bruyne level in terms of looking at the quality and the talent and going immediately, yes, get him. The impact on the first team will be enormous at every level. Now, that's just just my point of view, but maybe I'm... Also being a bit naive in that. Uh, Okay, second part of the opening question for both of you. Otamendi's been linked with Barcelona. Vinny's contract expires in the summer. Are we sleepwalking into a car crash here? Should both of those things be very, very quickly just both of those doors be closed in the sense that Otamendi gets sold, you're going nowhere, lad, and Vinny signs a new 12-month deal? Howard? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, do we... Depends if you believe an Otamendi to Barcelona link. Uh, someone said, "Well, would you take it if we've signed Delit instead, wouldn't you?" But that's you know, that's kidding ourselves if that's happening in January. So it's yeah, you know, that's a summer. I'm talking about so. summer. I'm not even talking about Jan. I know that the the yeah. the, the, the newspaper did a, a story on on him being linked with them in in January. But I think I think that with the way things are going for Barcelona and the way that they're spending money in other positions, they do need a centre half. Um I do think that they may not be able to spend 75, 80 million. I can totally see why uh, an experienced Nicolas Artemendi appeals to them. So yeah, he's not, even in he's summer- not starting every week for them either, is he? So it would be but then again, for him it's probably a nice little final move. So I'm sure he wouldn't mind about it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I think it'd be easy if they just stayed. Yeah, the the central half dilemma is one that I'd I'd see the club wanted to make moves, not this summer, the summer after, and that's yeah. easiest if you keep what we've got for now. Yeah. You see, if Garcia comes through, you give company another year, then he needs to be replaced the summer after. This summer, we've got other things to worry about. We don't probably don't have the resources nor do we need you know shaking up the squad that much that we need to sort that and the left back and defensive midfield and the eternal debate of whether we need another striker or forward player so yeah I think it's very easy if if he's not happy getting games there's not a lot you can do about that we can't just put him in because he's unhappy Uh, he has played plenty you know the stone there's just what can you do when you've got a nearly full fully fit squad 
He's not mm. our first choice defender. He can still get 30 games a season, though. So don't know how true the rumours are. But, yeah, my approach would be, no, you're not going anywhere. Uh, Steve? Uh, he's getting on. Yeah, what, how old is he now, anyway? He's just... Yeah, he's into his 30s. He's, so. he's 30. I had a look. Um, they wouldn't pay much night. for him. But no, maybe we'll get 20 million for him. But, you know, who do you replace him with? Spend another £60 million on someone or bring a young player through? It's, yeah, it's easier if they just stay, to be honest. Yep. The state disagree. Um, only in, in terms of how I think it's going to play out. I, I think Artemendi will leave in the summer. I think... Um, what Howard said about Alexis Sanchez applies to Nicholas Mendy. I think he's on a downward trajectory and now would be a really good time to sell him. Um, he's not going to get kind of, he's not going to maintain the levels that we saw last season where he was superb. Um, perhaps it's because he's not getting the fluidity of kind of game after game. Um, but when he is playing this season, he looks the liability of old. Um, and it'd be no great loss, frankly, because we have young players coming through who are, who are potentially exceptional. I think we have a centre-back pairing in John Stones and Laporte, which could go on to establish itself, you know, for the next 10 years. Um, and a lot of it is dependent on us getting a 12-month extension on Vinny um, as backup, because of course you need a warrior and you need a leader and you need experience amongst that group of centre-backs. And I can think of no one better than a fit Vincent company in that regard. Um, but as regards to Artemendi, I, I believe he's going to move on in the summer. And if we do get, say, £25 million for him, and that is kind of parlayed onto, um, you know, further investment in players, I'm absolutely fine with that. Garcia, um, I know he's young, and I didn't particularly like, understandable as it was, I didn't particularly like the way that Blues responded to his performance against Burton. It was a bit too scouse for my liking. Um it was a bit, you know, oh, he's the next kind of uh, Cannavaro. He's the next kind of Nesta. It's like, <laughs> did you really just say that? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's. I love you, Steve. Sorry. Your timeline's on. different to mine, then. <laughs> really? Well, I, I saw people really praising the kids to the rafters and saying, right, we don't need Ottomandi next year. We don't need company. We've got Garcia. He's not ready yet. But I've seen that too. In terms of, you know, 10 games, including the Cup games, um, next season. Um, I, you know, Pep has a great deal of faith in the lad, um, and thinks he's the real deal. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with Ottomani uh, moving on. So stay if we we get rid of him in the summer, who takes? How do we fill that spot? Garcia just moves in as, as Ottomani. But as, it, a lot. But you said he's dependent. not ready yet. Well, no, a lot of it. So is you'd dependent. have him as four. Is he ready to be our fourth? As, as a four? Yeah, as as a fourth choice. But that is entirely dependent on Howard on. And of course, we don't know if, if any company can remain fit for a year. That's why it can't happen, Steve. Yeah, that's I exactly know, why it can't it's happen. It's too weak, though. It's too. Once yeah. you get past Stones Laporte, there's totally. That is dangerous. Very totally. dangerous. That's, well, that's I mean, proper. in the same manner as as what Asan said about Fernandinho against the lower half of, of Premier League, I think another year in his legs, then Garcia, and another year in his head, Garcia could very easily, you know, uh, start games against you know the Burnleys and the Cardiffs, but. Yeah, it is dependent on Vinny. Um, I'm not, not denying that. And, and perhaps it is a risky strategy, but you've got to look at it from what Amendi's point of view as well. He's not going to be happy being fourth choice centre-back for another year. He's 30. He's, he needs to make yeah. his move now. And I think he I will. think that's the issue. Yeah. I think, I think looking at it from my point of view, I think that what I've just said, uh, Vinny and Garcia is three and four. 
I don't think Guardiola will allow that. I think that fundamentally he'll see that as, as too big a risk to take. I think that puts him in a position where he either closes the door to Otamendi leaving or he goes to the board and he says, if Otamendi goes, we have to go and buy another centre-back. Now, where I'm maybe a little bit different to uh, Blues that I've seen online is that I appreciate lots of people are going, yeah, but if you sell Otamendi and you bring Delict in, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but... That's not realistic. No, Delict is not why it's not re- Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because for, for me, Delict is going to go, I'd go play anywhere yeah. and I'll be the number one centre-back. So what's Pep saying to Stones and Laporte? What, are one of them sitting down? I don't think so. I don't think Guardiola would ever do that. Um, so then how does he convince Delict to come and fight for that spot? He just, I, I don't see it as realistic. Actually... I think that if it comes to the crunch and Otamendi goes, then I think they'll end up doing uh, a left field experienced deal. So for example, Johnny Evans. Johnny, Johnny Evans. <laughs> no, not Johnny. Um, somebody with a bit more pedigree than Johnny Evans. Um, so for example, Diego Godin's, Godin, Godin is, I think he's signed for Inter Milan already, but Godin, even at 32, would be the perfect mm. kind of one year let Garcia develop for another year. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm, you, I'm bored with that. Like I say, if we can bring in a fee as well for that, Manly, if we can bring in a 25 million or something, then that does cover that and it allows for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly down on that. I genuinely believe, and I'm not dismissing or belittling how good he was last season, but I genuinely believe Nicholas Artemendi does not have a future at City. When he comes on now, uh, when he starts... He's looking, it's like he doesn't give a shit anymore. It's like he's gone back to how he was before Pep got, kind of got into his head. Um, he, he's kind of looking a bit rash for my taste and um, I wouldn't be sorry to see him move on. Okay, cool. I think that about covers it. Okay, boys, let's talk about how we got to another cup final. Um, so we played Burton in midweek. Final score was 1-0. Guero goal. Um, Howard, the team that was picked, the youth players that were picked, the senior players that were picked, um, were you happy? Was it what you expected? Yeah. And how cold was it, Howard? Oh, yes. It was cold. (laughs) (laughs) At least I couldn't feel my left leg, so that's good. It numbed the pain. It wasn't that cold in the terrace. It just everywhere else <laughs> yeah, as soon as you got outside the ground or half time it was absolutely freezing yeah Yeah. so uh, uh, to be honest I'm not sure the players were this was an inconvenience for any senior players in a way I know Kevin De Bruyne wants to play football he wants to get back to you know his rhythm uh, but yeah I wanted a 50-50 and yeah so I'm pretty happy with that I don't have in-depth knowledge of you know players like Pervader so I didn't know which ones in the checker trade you know, you kind of mix and match. We didn't know how they were going to play that out. Uh, that didn't go well. So, yeah, I was I was quite happy. Uh, Foden was always going to start. Mjoric was always going to start. One of the Guerrero and Jesus was always going to start. Uh, it was good to see. And obviously Garcia was, and it was good to see Sandler there. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that because I don't, I don't want 11 youth players in there because that doesn't help their development. Or, you know, it just makes... Yeah. They might as well just... I mean, good does in a way playing a second division side, maybe. But, you know, if they're playing in the checker trade, they've had a bit of that. I want to see a few of them in the team together, 
not one of them, just a few of them with the senior players playing a competitive match, kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was I was pretty happy with the mix, to be honest. And yeah, as to which senior players played, who yeah, God knows. It's just again, it's getting match fitness. It's you know, you could pick and choose any number of players. I was more interested on this occasion with the youth players because the senior players were probably going through the motions for me. Mm, I think that's a fair call. Um, Steve, uh, in general, the the ebb and flow of the match, did Burton impress you with their desire to play considering that they were 9-0 down? Um, and from City's perspective, was it what you expected in terms of a performance or did you expect something a bit more uh, flashy somehow? No, no, it was... Um... I'm gonna start with Burton. Uh, that the high pressing was was really impressive. Um, uh, their organisation of that um, was really impressive. So across the two legs, I can speak only you know highly of, of Burton Alpine. Um, before the ties, I said on uh, a Friday pod that you know I'd written about Burton in the past, and it was an eye opener to me just what an incredible achievement they've done in in, in our lifetime. Yeah, and so I just hope that they came out of this um, with with the credit they deserve, and I think they have. I mean, they lost nine nil in in a competitive fixture, and yet I think now moving forward, um, people who were previously just aware, pre, you know, the basics of Burton Albion will think even you know more fondly of them. They've done their kind of PR no harm whatsoever in this, and you know, let's not forget they've reached a semi final of a competitive tournament, which you know. Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, they didn't. Spurs didn't. Yep. Burton did. Sorry, Chelsea and Spurs did, of course. <laughs> um, but Burton did. And yeah, they did incredible to reach this far. Um, on City's performance, it's kind of really hard to gauge. And exactly like Howard said, I was concentrating more on the youth players than the established stars. Um, it was just getting the job done on, a, on what looked to be a very, very cold night. Uh, in a very kind of cramped arena, um, and they they did get the job done. There was nothing. There was no fireworks, as you said. Um, I was quite surprised by the chances taken at the back. Um, and this is what in terms of the selection you mean? No, no. In terms of kind of you know, of course I know that's our mandate. That is our model. We we play out from the back. That's what we do. But given Burton's ferocity of high pressing, um. I just would have thought, you know, there were a couple of times where I kind of reverted to myself of old of just like shouting, <laughs> just lump it, just kick uh-huh. it, say, because they were taking a few chances there, and unnecessarily so. And I wouldn't like to see that in a game of more importance, really. Um, but, yeah, I understand. But that aside, yeah, the performance was a 7 out of 10. Okay. Um, Howard, there's been much debate about who was the standout youngster in the game who was the standout youngster in the game for you <laughs> uh no yeah there's not one who stood out way above but i think garcia was for me just oh. I, yeah i love sam though he looked very in the first half i don't think burst i think burst were quite passive i don't know if they were just you know still showing scars even though we changed the side a lot showing scars from the first leg mm. and i think there were a lot more Intense in the second half, put us under pressure, pressed more. Uh, you know, I've not seen replays. I'm only doing it from. I could just say it was a very small terrace, and you get, you know, when you, as anyone knows, when you're very low in a ground, 
There's no perspective for the yeah. far side of the pitch. Yeah. I mean, literally, it looked sometimes like there was they were passing it across our goal line. Yeah. Where in the replay, we're actually 15 yards out, and it's like you just you really struggle to get perspective on the other side, the other end of the pitch. I, I just just as a general point, I don't understand how people can watch football like that on a no. weekly basis. Because I was in the South Stand against Liverpool, and it's the first time I'd been in that particular spot, and I was like three seats from the you know right behind the goal, basically. And the amount of times that Marne, for example, was running across, and I was absolutely crapping it because I thought he was like six yards out. I mean, I watched yeah. it again later, and it's, it's halfway through, you know, halfway in um, our area. So, well, baffled. Yeah, me. sorry, the one Garcia, uh, you know, cleared off the line. That felt like the whole move was, <laughs> you know, was on the line. Or like, yeah. oh, like, how did that not go in? Then I've seen the replay. I thought. Oh right, he's just cleared one off the line. <laughs> it's quite a normal, yeah. Like the goalkeeper's rushed out, it's gone loose, and he's cleared it. It's like does not look like that when you're so low, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, Garcia was a standout for me. Just, uh, but Sandler obviously had that one bad moment, but they, they all look very composed. But I'm not sure what we can take from this match. It's just about developing them again. Pereira was fine, but you know, without standing out. But Foden, obviously, we, we can't even see him now, don't we? But. He, you know, he was just a seven out of ten. Didn't do anything special. Didn't do anything terrible. So I, I'm not. There's very little. This is just a little div- development chance for the youngsters, and there's, there's very little I can take from this. Muric was as composed and, you know, calm, Edison-like as ever. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure the pitch was the best to be honest, but footballers have to get used to that. It might have looked nice, but I don't think it played very smoothly. So. Uh, they're probably, you know, even our youngsters are probably used to a lot better than this when they're training at least and the first team are playing in the, the Premier League. So, yeah, Garcia just ahead of Sander for me. Can, uh, I, can I just um, say I'd, I'd like to see Murich against, you know, a Chelsea or a Spurs, but unfortunately that would probably necessitate Edson being injured. Um, well, cup final. but Yeah, yeah, so I would like to see him start. I, I want to see him tested. Uh, I've not seen enough of him. You know, when, when I do see him, basically, he's, as you said there, he's doing the the Edisons, you know, kind of looking really composed with the ball at his feet, you know, knocking it about to the full-backs. That's all great. Okay, good. But I want to see him tested as a goalkeeper. Mm. I think he's a pretty good shot-stopper, you know. Um, I think he's, he's he's very highly rated. I think the, the cup final, yeah, as Howard says, will be a, a big opportunity for us to see him in a, a high-pressure game against a really high-level um, opponent. Uh, okay, just in terms of looking at the senior players, then all about fitness for for Aguero and De Bruyne as opposed to performance. Is that a fair thing for me to say, Steve, or do you think that we need we can take something from the performances of the players as well? No, I think it's entirely fair, and the same goes for Delft too, because um, you know, not in terms of um, fitness as such coming back from injury, but just you know, get some game time back in his legs and just you know, retuning. Um, so that's absolutely, and Danilo as well, because you know across the season Danilo hasn't featured too much, so that would have done him a world of good to get another ninety minutes. Because um, what we're looking at now, you know, fighting our fourth fronts, there's going to be fixture congestion. There's going to be rearranged games. Um, we now it becomes a, a squad game, doesn't it? So that's when we do look at the kind of Zinchenko's and the Delfs and the Danilos, and we want them to be ready, really ready. So. You know, you can look at that game and see a lot of benefits that came out of it. Um, it didn't make it the most entertaining game to watch, um, but at the same time, you know, City will benefit from it moving forward. Yep, 
I got along with that. Howard, what about for you? Um, if you're looking at, was it a risk? If you look at the pitch and the weather conditions, I know that you said at the top that you were happy that there was only like three youngsters and there was a lot of senior players. The balance was correct. Just playing devil's advocate for a second, uh, that pitch was horrendous. And I think Foden went down holding his knee. I think somebody else went down at some point holding their knee. Had one of the senior players come out of that with a bad injury, would we all be sitting here now going, Guardiola's a muppet? Yeah, well, that's, what, that's, what, that's what fans do. <laughs> they'll, they'll ask for a strong side and then complain when one of them gets injured. So he had to play some senior players. So, you know, he got, I don't, no, I don't want him putting the youth side. You know, these players go in players' intensities that in training, you know, they can injure themselves getting out of the shower. I mm. think... The, the pitch started icing over later in the, the match and he took off, obviously. The boy went off, didn't he, and Aguero. So I'm glad they went off. I didn't want to see him 90 minutes, but what can you do? You know, a player can get... You'd never play players if that was the case. Uh, yeah. I, I remember years ago, you know, David Silva getting injured in a, a home defeat to Newcastle and was saying we shouldn't have played him. But, you know, do you want to do well in the competition or not? This is different. But De Bruyne is desperate to play. These and Aguero's not back to into his groove yet. The problem is they're not going to really get into the groove in this game because they just they will not show the intensity. I don't think on a cold night with a nine-goal lead. Totally, yeah. it just you can't replicate what it means to them to play. You know, Chelsea in a you know in a must-win game in the league or or cup final or anything like that. So a bit more match fitness. Anyone can get injured. I know Foden apparently showed pain, had a scan after the match, but is apparently okay and back in training, so no problem there, just a tiny little problem. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're going to take that attitude, then they never play. Obviously, on a cold night, maybe, you know, but Burton, you know, before we played Burton, I thought maybe they'd be physical, maybe they'd be going in robust, but they didn't do that over the two legs. No. So I, I don't think it was really, you know, they played the, in the right spirit all the way through. Uh, so no, I don't think it was too much of a risk. Okay. Um, just a brief one, um, looking ahead to the final. It's a cup final. Murich Guardiola has confirmed will uh, we'll start. Beyond Murich, would you pick the strongest 11 players available for the cup final? Or is there an argument that if there are players who have played a lot of minutes in getting us to that final and they aren't necessarily in the best 11, they should be given the opportunity to play in the final. Steve? Well, I asked on Twitter whether Garcia should start in the final and 69% said yes. Um, Personally, I'm kind of, on the fence, really, I, I certainly think he should play a you know a very strong team, and whether that's Murich and one of the, one of the kids, either Foden or Garcia, um, but no more than that. You know, we've got to basically see this as what it is—a cup final, a chance to get silverware. Otherwise, what's all the kind of you know previous ties for? What do they amount to? What you know? What other sacrifices made for? Um, and furthermore. Um, I might sound like a bit kind of uh, naive here and a bit kind of uh, glory hunterish, but I want three. I want three trophies this year. I think City well would have it within their means to win the League Cup, the League, and either the Champions League and the FA Cup. Um, 
I want City to have another historic season, and that currently is, is within our means and a possibility. So I want us to get over the line on uh, get on in the League Cup final. Play the strongest 11. That's, that's what I, I think, anyway. Yeah. Okay. And we've always stuck with a keeper. So, yeah, we've always yeah. done that. Yeah. And we've won every one. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they've been, they've been you know, And you say Garcia's got us there, but he hasn't. He's played... How many of the games has he played? Well, he's not played everyone. You know, like when we won at... <laughs> we won at Oxford. That was the League Cup, wasn't it? Uh, then, you know... It was uh, company not amended. So loads of play outfield players have contributed to this run. Uh, Muric and Foden will obviously start if fit to start after that. I mean, I, I clicked on your poll. Yes, he should start, Steve. But now I'm having my doubts. So I, I'm really on the fence. You know, I'm really flip-flopping. Because at the end of the day, it's a cup final and Chelsea yeah. aren't going to put the youth players out. They're going to go for the trophy and... Can, you know, I don't know. It's it's such a tough one. Whatever he does, he's going to get some criticism somewhere. Yeah, uh, does have to start because he that's how that's our policy and it has been. And this is our fourth final. It's hardly backfired. And if it does, so be it. Uh, you know, he he's played every single minute and deserves to stay there. Can, can the outfield, outfield players have not played every minute, so you've got a bit more leeway there. Aguero or Jesus, if it was tomorrow, the cup final. Uh, Aguero or Jesus for you two? Aguero. Okay. Think so? I don't know. I think I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit... Um, he's, cup I, he's a Wembley scorer, Aguero. I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, actually, you know what? I'll take that back. I, I, I kind of agree with Howard. I wanted to disagree with him and I was trying to formulate an argument in my head for saying I'd go with Jesus, but actually, I just wouldn't. When it comes to the crunch, to answer my own question, I would pick the best 11 because like Steve, I'm greedy. I want as many trophies as possible and I don't really want to be taking risks in a cup final just to say, well done, Garcia, you played a good match yeah, against yeah. Burton, therefore you're going to play in a cup final against Chelsea. Nah, that's not what we're here for. And I don't think Guardiola would do that. Pep's here to win as many trophies as possible. It's not dumb. He's not going to get himself to a cup final and then go know that he's playing Chelsea, know that Chelsea will play their best eleven, and then start taking big risks in key positions. No, nor do I think no. Garcia expects to play as well, which is a key point. I totally. think Jesus would, you know, he'd feel rightly very disappointed if Aguero was picked ahead of him, given what Jesus has offered to this tournament. And you know, it, it is a good chance to kind of get him a cup final appearance. But yeah, I, I, again, I would go for Aguero. I would go for a strongest defense we have, and. Um, Win the, win the trophy that's what it's all about mm, yeah I go along with that okay from one cup competition to another devalued cup competition uh, FA Cup this weekend uh, City play Burnley but before we talk about that the other big match this weekend in the FA Cup is Arsenal away at oh, sorry United away at Arsenal um, Howard the the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer revolution continues unabated. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal had a fantastic performance and result against Chelsea in the league in the last um, the last round of league games. How do you see this game playing out? Is this two bald men fighting over a comb, or <laughs> is is there is there something that elevates one above the other for you? Uh, well, see, it has been 50-50 match right down the line. 
I think we all okay. called Arsenal Chelsea totally wrong. So I'll say a four 0 win to United for this one, and wow. hopefully, hopefully we'll curse it again because. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I didn't see that Arsenal. Uh, you know, we said in the Arsenal Chelsea preview, uh, Arsenal are still strong at home. You know, you never write them off at home, but they're the ones likely to miss out on the top four. They're in a bad run. You know, they've got real problems, and then they they pulled out a great performance. Though with Chelsea, it's just one of those days. I think they're just so up and down. Uh, this one is fifty-fifty. What we'll do, it will not be a priority to both, but they won't. Totally, you know, they've got to take it semi-serious. They both need to win trophies. Emery, I said, you know, he's not under that much pressure following Wenger, but one thing Wenger did have was a brilliant, even, you know, towards the end of his, his reign at Arsenal, was a brilliant FA Cup record. Mm. Uh, and it kind of kept him in the job for probably even longer, and it kept the fans, I wouldn't say happy, but... Less dis- less unhappy for a while, and uh, he's under pressure in a way to to replicate that. So whilst both will make changes, you know, you're talking about bringing in United, bringing in a 75 million pound striker, and Sanchez playing as well, which is you know its own subplot to the night. So it's a very very close one to call. Literally could go any. This is another game. It's home. Could be a home win and away win or a draw, and I can't really. It's just who performs on the night for me. Steve, uh, who... Sorry. I, I, yeah, I, sorry. I, yeah, as for Solskjaer, you know, there's such, such fine lines as we saw at Spurs. Like, oh, we, he's come through his first big test, but on another day, they'd have lost 4-1. So, that's yeah, that's that's the life of a manager, isn't it? So, it'll be interesting to see how the, the defence performs on this occasion. So. Mm. Steve, for who would it be a bigger achievement to win the FA Cup this season? For Emery or for, for Solskjaer? Well, firstly, I'm going to make you saying Oligor Solskjaer's revolution continues as my ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, lad. Can you send it to me? I'll use it as mine as well. Will do. Um, and yeah, secondly, that's a really <laughs> tough one because it's going to mean obviously a huge amount to either manager but for very different reasons um Solskjaer the, the talk now it's just building and building that he's going to get given the job um and you know that the class of 92 want him in that job and you know what kind of influence they have there so um that's going to be an interesting development and if he goes on to win uh, an FA Cup the other last game of the season as well um it could well be where Oligo Sunshine gets given a job full time. As regards to Emery, exactly for the reasons that Howard said, you know, the FA Cup is so kind of enshrined in recent Arsenal kind of legend. Um, and it's extremely important for managers to get a trophy under the belt. We're looking at the criticism, the stupid criticism, by the way, that Pochettino's getting today because, you know, two of his players missed a penalty last night. Um, and it all comes down to the need. For, for managers to back up their philosophies with silverware. And if you can do that in the first season, if Henry can get to the end of the season and say, OK, I managed to finish top four and we've won the FA Cup, that is a very successful season for his first season at Arsenal. I agree. If Solskjaer, if United can win the, the FA Cup, then Solskjaer is in a very strong position then to go to the board and say, OK, I'm not saying this uh, publicly, um, but I want this job and I want it really bad. So, you know, you've seen what I can do. And but he'll have I, a strong point. 
The way modern football would be in a stronger position if they finished top four, probably. That's true. No, that is that true, would still yeah. probably be the priority over the FA Cup. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that and is they're both absolutely. still in Europe, so they can't really concentrate on everything. So, yeah, there will be weakened sides, but yeah, a trophy, any trophy always you know, gives the, a caretaker manager, it gives any manager a stronger hand on it when negotiating. Did, um, I can't remember now, you know where the bit of Di Matteo, he was caretaker manager, was he, when Chelsea yes. won the Champions League? So was he given a job after that? I, yes. I think he was. Oh, was he? I'm not I sure. Think so. so Di Matteo won the Champions League, and because yeah. of that, he was given a two-year contract, yeah, right. and then they sacked him halfway through <laughs> that's the, it. Yeah, the yeah. following season. <laughs> yeah. But I don't so think that's... They gave him a contract so they could sack him. Yeah. <laughs> More or less. More or less. Um, I think with... Uh, I think on, on on Solskjaer, I appreciate the comedy value to the idea of him getting given the job permanently. But I think he's doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched United Spurs. And even in that game, I thought he did a really good job. I, I've seen, Howard, you said it. I've seen a few people say that Spurs could have won that game 4-1. But I don't quite see it like that. I think it's very easy to say that because Spurs got into very dangerous positions and United had to defend at times resolutely and also had to be a little bit lucky. But ultimately, the goal that sinks Spurs is is a tactical masterclass. And if Mourinho does that and Mourinho's team win that game, the nation's media hold Jose up and go, that's a tactical masterclass and that's why he's genius. Um, so I do think that the kind of, I know it's kind of funny, the idea of Solskjaer being given the job, but I personally wouldn't be like Solskjaer Pochettino from what I've seen of, of Solskjaer so far, they'll pose very different problems, but they'll both pose problems and United will be much improved next season. Um, yeah, looking I'm, at... Sorry, sorry the Spurs game, I know at the first half, I agree. I think tactically it was superb. No, he wasn't reinventing the wheel. He was just get your pace, get Rashford and Martial going at their fullbacks who like to come up the field. But I still, think, I still assert that the second half United were terrible, uh, apart from one player. But yeah, you know, as you say, you can't really ask more for what he's done since he got there. No, uh, um, what he's got. So exactly, and I just, I, I kind of looking at this game. I don't think that, like, when you both say that they'll rest players. I don't know if they will. No, no, I, I didn't say. I don't think they will either. To be honest, I, I think there's a. I think that both both managers. It's Friday night on the TV. It's not that it's a pressure game, but it's an opportunity for both managers to generate even more goodwill amongst their supporter bases. So I don't see either running the risk of of being of doing something daft. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, you can say that maybe Martial will drop out and Sanchez will play, yeah? Or that Rashford won't start, Lukaku will start. But for me, that's not really resting players because there's an argument about, you know, it's like Jesus Aguero, Sterling Sane. It's not really, for me, it doesn't feel like you're weakening the team. You're just making a call one or the other. Um, De Gea's not troubled, so... Yeah, De Gea is the one like that. That for sure. I think that they've said that it because the they've got a cup keeper because they think Romero's that good. So okay, he will he will start in in net. But yeah, I'm not sure that they will they will rotate because I do think there's a little bit of pressure on both of them to 
not pressure, but as I say, I think it generates the right kind of goodwill. And for that reason and that reason alone, I think they'll both put their best foot forward or as much of their best foot forward as they can in terms of team selection. Um, okay, so I guess that I'd like a prediction before we talk about Burnley uh, City. Steve? I think it's extremely hard to call, um, but I would go 2-1 United. Okay. Howard? To all. Will there be a replay then? Yeah, I think. Okay. I mean, cut, they keep cutting back the replay rounds, don't they? But I think I think there's still replays in this round. Yeah, yeah no, I think in this round there is still I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting because no one wants to, neither want a replay. So if they're drawing with 10 minutes to go, it could be a cracking last 10 minutes <laughs> because I assume yeah, both teams will go for it. Um. If I was going to make a prediction, I think it's really, really hard. But I actually think that United will just nick it again. I think they have a little bit more momentum than Arsenal do, even though Arsenal beat Chelsea. Um, and I think that they've just got... I kind of look at the uh, the Arsenal backline and midfield and I just go, yeah, it's really porous. You can really get through it if you play in the right manner. And I can see United playing in the right manner and getting through it. So, yeah, I think... I think they could just nick it. Bellerin's um, out for the season, of course. Which yeah, that's a I've massive never, blow for them. Never truly rated him, but it's for him. You know, he's still obviously the best they've got in that position. Absolutely, yeah. and so actually, that is a big hit for them for the rest of the season. If you talk to Arsenal supporters or you read kind of the Arsenal media, they've been saying that Bellerin has arguably been their best player uh, this season. Yeah. So it, it's you're right in that he's he's been a bit hot and cold, but this season he was. Very good and very um, effective for them. Okay, so Manchester City Burnley. How do how does Pep approach this game in terms of team selection first and foremost? Steve, uh, ha- did we see in the previous round of the FA Cup why this season we're just going to see the strongest team regardless of the opposition? Yeah, I think the the most revealing thing about the um, the lineup this weekend is actually who played against Burton. I think we'll be looking at a mirror image, really. So for De Bruyne, you could put uh, David Silver in there. Um, for Aguero, you could put Jesus in there. So I think you know the senior starters on on Wednesday uh, won't feature or will at least be on the bench this weekend. Uh, and I think the senior players who missed out who didn't go to Burton, will feature. Um, and I think that's how he, he's going to play it. Um, we can expect you know a strong lineup because it's Premier League opposition um, in the FA Cup. And as, as stated before, we're fighting a forefront and that is going to lead to a lot of complications down the line. But at this juncture, it's possible. You know, before the Champions League starts up, totally. it is possible to play you know, your strongest side. So, yeah, I think we can expect... Um, I don't think Foden will feature. I don't think he'll play two full games in a row. Um, so yeah, staggered if he doesn't staggered. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be it'll be a strong lineup anyway, and um, and the same goes for Burnley as well. I think we can expect pretty much what we would probably see in the Premier League version of this fixture. That's not true because Shawnee Sean Dyche has already said <laughs> that. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
he will be uh, he will be resting several oh, really? of his first team players because they have very important games coming up. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, so right. uh, he's he's already uh, he's already said that. Um, Howard, would you like to chime in? I just want to say on the Foden thing, there's absolutely zero chance that he starts this weekend. Be prepared to be very very staggered if indeed you are <laughs> going to be staggered. Um, Howard, in terms of the big selections. Um, I'd like you to talk to me about how he goes about perming between Aguero and Jesus, um, how he continues the rehabilitation of Kyle Walker, and also how he continues the rehabilitation of Kevin De Bruyne. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he plays them, I guess. Hashtag Uh, content. I, yeah, just perm. I don't, you know, you'll go for a side. I've not a clue. Yeah, Walker. Walker plays. Surely. I don't. Match time. Yeah, match, this is when you give them match time, I assume. Okay. Uh, but Aguero Jesus, God knows. God knows. I think, Do you, you take know, the if, opportunity? If Aguero play played a Wednesday, I, yeah, we're probably saying Jesus this time around. Do you take the opportunity to play the both of them, though? Because Aguero is trying to find form and and rhythm and coming back from a little bit of an injury as well. Yeah, it's not a bad call. Uh, But then, you know, do you play... You may may then experiment with a back three, but then, of course, Mendy's not fit yet to start. So, again, you're looking at Mendy coming on for 20 minutes, maybe. So, but you could play Zinchenko in a more advanced role, play both attackers... Mm. He'll play one of Sterling and Sane probably, but not both. He will play David Silva probably, but will he play Bernardo? Not a foggiest. Will he play Fernandinho? He might do, but then we've got Newcastle in the week, so he's got to think about that as well. God knows. I mean, Otamendi, this is a chance to play him. <laughs> It'll, honestly, I, I, just, just pick pick a card, any card. I don't, I, I don't know how he's going to play this. It will be a strong okay. side, but he may try something different. And you, I can't honestly tell you who he's going to pick, except Edison will come back in, of course. Walker, I think, will start because he want this game time for him to get back into his groove. And David Silver has been rested, so he'll play. And you're perming a lot from... Yeah, we've got a mostly fit squad now. It's very hard to call how he's going to play this. Mm. He will have to take Tuesday night's game into consideration. I think that's why what you've just said about a back three and Aguero and Jesus, I'm, I mean, obviously Guardiola's not shown much inclination to do that so far this season, but if ever there was a moment, now's the moment. I think you've got, uh, you've got a situation where we've got really important league games coming up. You kind of need to play Aguero and Jesus together for a minute because it feels like they almost both deserve to play. I think equally, there's absolutely no harm in giving Sterling and Sane another break. Um, I think that if you play with the with the two of them up top, you can play with Zinchenko and and Walker as your yeah. as your wing backs. It gives you the opportunity to play Vinny and Otamendi, and then rest one of Stones or Laporte. Um, I, I feel it feels like now could be a moment to do that. Um, I guess I'm going to ask something which I should have put at the top of the podcast, but it kind of fits in now. 
Um, Steve, this is for you. We've not really talked about Mares, um, mm. either his performance against Burton or the potential for him to play against Burnley. And obviously Sam Lee did a piece this week in which he wrote that Mares is unhappy and has complained to teammates and coaches about the lack of game time that he's gotten. How does Pep, now uh, to, uh, to give it a bit of context, obviously he was asked the question after uh, the league game last weekend about Mares, and he was very terse in terms of going tactical. Um, and that was almost it. And oftentimes he's very apologetic when he's asked that question about leaving players out. He'll, you know, he, he loves to say that. He said it about Otamendi, it's the hardest thing in the world is to, you know, choose the 11 and leave players out. But sometimes you feel as though he's sending a message and he's blunt. And I felt as though with Mahrez, he sent a message and he was quite blunt. So looking at his performance against Burton, thinking about the Burnley game and also the league games coming up against Newcastle and then against Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, Mahrez, what do you do? Um, well, I would expect him to start against Burnley. Um, I took issue with the fact that he's unhappy with the game time he's had. Um, but I see it as the opposite of, of a player himself. I actually take issue with the game time that he's had and what he's done with that game time. Um, he is not doing himself any favours whatsoever. He's not learning... It, I've seen people on Twitter this week saying, look, he needs to acclimatise. He needs to get used to Pep's way of playing. Um, that's going to take a season. No, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. He is highly attuned to the Premier League. He is uh, a player at, the, at his peak now. He's had several years at the, the highest level behind him. He should, and basically what he's been asked to do is so simplistic that... You know, me, you, or Howard can get. You know, we'd 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 absorb what Pep was saying to us in an instant because what he's been told to do is stop being such a hogging bastard all the time. Stop like lingering on the ball, taking ten touches. Stop being a Samir Nasri. Just release the ball and pass now and again, and bring a teammate into play and be part of a collective and not be a singular. And he's far, for far too often he's been an individual in a, in a in a team. And it's it's average breaking point with Villa, to be honest. It's not a reflection on his ability. Um, it's just how he's applying that ability that I have a problem with. So, um, yeah, he'll start against Burnley. Whether he'll start against uh, Chelsea and Arsenal, I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be Sterling and Sane for, for such fixtures um, because he's not making the impact that he was paid to do. Um, and he's not doing so through almost through choice because he's choosing to take these wild shots and do the same bloody things over and over again. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about him. Okay. He was getting, sla- was getting slated in the away end from minute one. On was he? Yeah. So some have already turned, you know, to the point that it doesn't do surprise me. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, you can see when a player's struggling, he's not struggling. He's just being too damn cocky is what he's doing. He needs to basically just lower... And that's why I was I took issue with him having a problem with the game time he's had. By the way, he's featured in a lot of big games this season. He has no no business complaining about that anyway. Mm. But, you know, it, it's... it. 
it's not a case of a player struggling for confidence. It's not like Kyle Walker. I don't like hearing kind of any criticism of Kyle Walker. Um, Mares, I make an exception for because he needs bringing down a peg or two. He needs bringing into the fold. Uh, it's it's like he thinks that he can just do what he wants to do, irrespective of being coached by the greatest coach in modern football. Mm, I think that's a little teeny weeny bit harsh. It is. It is teeny weeny bit harsh. I think that. Um, if that's how, do you want to go? Do you want to jump in before I speak? No. Well, are you going to say? I mean, obviously, he had carte blanche at Leicester. And he has to learn not to now. Uh, I mean, I saw that the one he hit into the that it hit the side netting in the end the first half, and I was you know the, I was told simple pass to Aguero, but there wasn't a simple pass to Aguero when I watched the replay. It wasn't you know when I, from what I read at the time, and it was the far end of the pitch. So again, perspective, I didn't have any at the match. It was as if he could simply square it to Aguero, but there were lots of defenders around. I'd, I agree with a lot of what. Steve says he's not, he's got to be, you know, it's about individualism against collective and knowing, it's really about knowing when, when you shoot and when you pass. Hmm. But he's not the only one, you know, Sane has to learn on decision-making a bit, but obviously he has many other merits to his game that, uh, you know, we could go on for hours about that uh, negate any, that, you know, things that he needs to work on. But And yeah, it's, it's weird about... I don't know. Late September, October, we we're saying he's he's integrated. He was playing well. We all said, "Yep, it's all you know." He's coming really well, and now he's gone backwards again a bit. Uh, it's about decision. Is he cocky? I don't know. No, I I don't understand this cocky thing. You know, big players. He's one player of the year. They've all got egos. It's it's decision. It is decision making at the end of the day. It's about learning a different style of play. I'm obviously not going to write him off in January if he's not understood that I'm not sure it is that easy to take on board it took a lot of the City players a year to take Pep's instructions on board perhaps the attacking players have it a bit easier you know they're not strict about about positioning and where they cover on the pitch but yeah were you going to say something similar to that can, can I just very very quickly bump, I know I've used up a lot of time on Moraes myself but just very quickly just take a slight issue with what Howard said about Sane because because uh, it gets of a nub of how I feel about it, really. Sane is an individual player in a collective, but his objective is to basically, you know, go for a dribble, dribble, take on three players, either cut inside or get into the byline, but always with, you know, step by step, he's thinking, is there a pass on? Is there a pass on? Is there a player I can just knock it to? Maybe a one-two. It's options, options, options all along the way. Mores. His, his sole objective when he's got the ball and he's kind of isolated a fullback is can I cut it on the inside and, and do it in an swinger and try and score myself? So it, it's, it's selfish. Yeah, I think they're in a... a, a so, again, teeny-weeny bit harsh. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, Mahrez has been uh, selfish at times. I agree that he needs to improve his teamwork um, quite significantly and, and kind of find the rhythm of what the other wide players do. The problem he's got is that he doesn't have the credit in the bank that the other players do because he's not been here very long. So we have, from a supporter point of view, very little patience because Sterling and Sane operate at such a high level. We can't forget that it wasn't overnight that they ended up playing at at that high level. I think also from Mares's point of view, he's in a, a little bit of a catch 22 situation in that the reality is that to get picked ahead of, Sterling and Sane, he's got to score goals. 
It's really that simple. Or, or make assists. Um, and so to do that, I don't know. Like I just, I think that it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky to try and dislodge Sterling and Sane right now without being a little bit greedy. Because I think that he's probably looking at it and going, I need to score a worldie every game to dislodge one of these guys. So not, not, not with Pep Guardiola as your manager. I, I, no, no way. Not, not with Pep as your coach. If, if, if he does a simple layoff, he gets far more credit in the bank for Pep Guardiola than if he, he attempts to score a worldie. And even if, even indeed if that comes off, Pep Guardiola is aware that Mares is capable of scoring worldie goals. He doesn't need to show that. What he needs to show Pep right now is that he has the awareness of that, of bringing other players into play. Okay, we'll yeah. talk about credits today. Here's a question. What was worse, Mara sh- shooting into the side netting in that first half or Aguero's miss in the second half? Yeah, but that, that was kind of... Aguero had he had one option available to him there, which was to go yeah. for that chance. And it was an error, basically. That was a failing. Like, like I say, going back to Kyle Walker, I will never, ever criticise a footballer who is struggling or who makes a mistake. I mean, we, you know, if you look at Sandler... I've never criticised a young lad for doing that. You know, he's going to learn from that. Um, but Mares, it's through choice. It, that's the key difference for me. He's choosing to play in the manner in which he's playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is, I think that, that uh, you're right what you say at the root of it. It is about decision-making and ultimately he decides what he's going to do. So if he makes the wrong decision, um, he will be punished for it if it doesn't, the thing that he tries to do doesn't come off. And look, I think what I'm, I guess the only thing I want to say is that as much as Mahrez has struggled, as much as I don't like anybody, the idea of anybody being happy, I don't worry about it too much because Guardiola has said loads of times that what he can't abide more than anything else is sad faces. Yeah. So if he's got a sad face in training, that guy's getting yarded eventually. Do you know what I mean? You can only get away with that for a day or two. If you start rocking up to training, looking miserable day after day after day after day, Guardiola will sell you. Um, so uh, the attitude thing, it doesn't worry me hugely. I would like us as a supporter base to be a bit more patient and supportive for the rest of this season. The only reason I say that is because football turns around real quick and Mares has got it in him to score a worldie. And, you know, we're sat here right now saying everything that we're saying because the Champions League has not been around for a while and we've been playing a lot of league games where Sterling and Sane are delivering and they look great and everything's cool. When the Champions League comes back and those games get bigger and the pressure gets bigger, we'll need our squad. Mares will need to deliver and need to play. So I think, you know... I want him to do better. I agree he's got to do better and most of it is down to him. But I think just from our side, I'd like us to be a bit more impatient and a bit less quick to to hang him out to dry, so to speak. Uh, okay. I'd like to wrap this up by both of you giving me the team that you would pick for the game against Burnley. Oh. Howard? I know right, how so, much you love doing this, so you have to go first. Yeah, I'm just writing it down. Right, so I've, I've decided to go for this bold three at the back. <laughs> go for it, lad. Uh, ah, Stones. Right, Edison. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Zinchenko and Walker. 
Yeah. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, Stones, Otamendi, Laporte. Okay. Fernandinho. Yeah? Yeah. Or Delph. Right, so we've got Aguero and Jesus up front, yeah? Yeah. We're happy with that. We're having David Silva behind. One, two, three, four, five. You do this every week, lad. I was waiting for that. Oh, no. Uh, Sterling. Is that totally the wrong shape, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Howard. Right, you're done, mate. Steve, would you like to have oh, a go? How could I predict- top that? <laughs> that that's, a, that's a weird shape, that. <laughs> that's what she said. Now, come on, Steve. Give us your prediction. Um, I would play four at the back, and I'd play yeah. Walker. Um I don't know enough about how ready he is, but from what I say, I'd play Mendy at left back. Yep. Um, I would play um, Otamendi and Stones as centre yep. back pairing. Um, I well, I'm kind of torn here, but I would probably go with Fernandinho and David Silva and Gundogan, mm-hmm. and uh, I would play uh, Sterling, Sane purely because we haven't played for a, a good week, and and uh, Jesus. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, I'm going to try and complete Howard, complete Howard's <laughs> at the back formation. So, so I'm going to go Edison, uh, Vinny, Laporte, and Otamendi, and then I'm going Carl Walker, uh, Gundogan. Who am I going to choose next to him? Kevin De Bruyne. And on the left, I'm going to go with Zinchenko. I'm the, then going to have Bernardo Silva playing in the hole behind Aguero and Jesus. That's my 3-4-3 three, three formation. Um, and I think that's enough to beat Burnley. Uh, it's a shame on Mares because he don't get in the side, but it gives Sterling and Sané a rest. It also gives Aguero and Jesus the opportunity to play together um okay you won't be laughing when i've totally nailed the, the team when it's announced tomorrow two out of 11 correct <laughs> excellent um i'm going to go with a uh, comfortable 2-0 manchester city win steve a comfortable 3-0 nice howard uh 3-1 Giving up that clean sheet. Okay, how, how fair many enough. on the row now is it? Five? Clean sheets. I don't know. Five, I that, think. So. Stats. Stats is your domain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the last goal we conceded is still Firmino, isn't it? So yes, I think it's five games anyway. It's it's four. It's almost five hundred minutes now. So really? that's very yeah, impressive. But... It's very very impressive. Right, gentlemen. Audience, listeners, this was the Friday show. Steve, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Howard, thank you very much. Yeah, a pleasure as always. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. Be safe, be well. Have a lovely weekend, and as always, up the blues. <laughs>